Hello, and welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams at Pub Quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Lauren. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Day. Oh, it's such a great holiday. Some people hate it. Some people love it. Some people are neutral. I personally... uh, all I care about is getting some getting some candy, discount candy. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I care about. Which is this is perfect timing. Oh, it's excellent timing. We have a very special guest with us today. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, coming to us all the way from Vancouver, uh, uh, we, uh, America's hat, <laughs> or we're Canada's underpants. Canada's Take underpants. Yeah, mm-hmm. wherever you fall on that on that argument. <laughs> uh, coming to us from Vancouver, we have Shay Henry. Oh, hello, Shay. Hello. <laughs> We're so excited from that Canada. you're here. All the way from Canada. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. I'm so excited. <laughs> Good. We're excited to have you. So uh, what topic are you going to be telling us about today? Well, I am coming to you, uh, admittedly, not as an expert, but someone who talks about this a lot. Great. Uh, I am going to be talking about chocolate and the history of chocolate and just chocolate in general. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. Ack! Yay! Pretty much our favorite topic. Oh, yeah, definitely yeah. mine. <laughs> I mean, who isn't? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so uh, obviously, as you know, someone who I do this kind of talk a lot and I uh, have a background in academics, and so I have to give kind of the what I'm going to be talking about. Please, great. Uh, yeah, it's just inborn. Um, and so I'll, I'll talk about chocolate in general, about the plant, about the genetics of it and all of that. And then I'll just go through uh, a kind of detailed history about it. And, Fantastic. Uh, hopefully it is as interesting to everyone else as it is to me. <laughs> I, I mean, we are uh, <laughs> we are a very participatory audience. And also we brought our own chocolate today. Yes. So that yes. in case we get hungry halfway through while we're, listening. while we're listening, like, you know, what's a good idea eating some chocolate. So we're prepared. And, you know, we encourage everyone else to also prepare yeah. yourself with a handful of, of this wonderful treat. Oh, a delicious treat. Thank God we're in a this, this wonderful world that provides for us <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> yes. If you want to you know, get yourself some chocolate in preparation for listening to this, I would recommend because I give this talk a lot. Uh as part of a chocolate tasting, like a chocolate oh. and wine pairing tastings. And so usually there is chocolate in front of whoever I'm talking to, mm. uh, talking to. So if you want to prepare, you can get some, like some dark chocolate, some milk chocolate, some chocolate with chili in it. Mm. That's a good one. Uh, Cause that comes up a lot in the talk and uh, even some white chocolate. Some mm. yum, yum. Okay. So, all right. We'll wait yeah. right here while you yeah. go and you get all your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Get it, everything together. <laughs> <laughs> and then come back. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm gonna just jump in. Please. Please. Alrighty. So, uh, first off, uh, chocolate originates in South and Central America and is made from the pods of the cacao tree. Um, the tree, Theobroma cacao, gets its name from our favorite 18th century taxonomist, Linnaeus. Mm. Uh, Theobroma is Greek for food of the gods, oh. uh, which is. Mm-hmm right? Um, <laughs> that's very accurate. Uh, and the cacao is part is Spanish for chocolate. Um, and the Spanish get it from the Aztec word uh, cacuatl. And uh, the Aztecs got it from the Mayan word cacua. And the Mayans got it from the Olmec word cacua. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I know, it's it's got some deep history in there. So nice. I love it. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so geneticists have traced the origin of the cacao tree to the upper Amazon basin and think that humans have been interacting with the plant for about 4,000 to 5,000 years. So that's a good deep history of our relationship with chocolate just mm -hmm. as human beings. Um, the cacao tree is actually quite difficult to grow. It only grows between 20 degrees north and 20 degrees south of the equator and only within tropics where temperatures don't fall below 60 degrees Fahrenheit or 16 degrees Celsius. Um, and there really can't be any kind of dry season. Otherwise, uh, you need pretty extensive irrigation. If it doesn't get enough water, it will shrivel up and die. It's really susceptible to diseases like viruses and fungi, and it will shrivel up and die. Uh, so it's just like a really prissy tree. Oh, no. It doesn't <laughs> even produce. I know. I know. This will get worse because... Uh, uh, climate scientists think that cacao trees are going to be gone by 2050. <gasps> That's within yeah. my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> you oh should see their faces right now. Oh it's boy. within our lifetime. Oh. So stock up. Because uh, just the, everything's getting drier is basically the problem. So, um, And the, the, the pods don't actually start forming on the tree until it's at least five years old. So if you're going to start a cacao farm, then you're going to need some commitment. <laughs> Wow, I had no idea that it was so, yeah. uh, so nitpicky. So nitpicky. Yeah. That, those yeah. trees are little bitches. <laughs> <laughs> little bitches of trees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's about right. So thankfully we have it. Oh, that's all I have to say. Mm -hmm. um, so to get from the cacao pod to chocolate is really a rather extensive experience, uh, like, procedure and uh, manufacturing process. So uh, it's really any wonder that we ever figured it out at all. So thanks to that as well. Um, so the cacao pods uh, grow on the trees on the trunk. So they have this little tiny uh, stem and they come out directly from the trunk and they look like papayas with ridges. It's pretty much the same size. Oh, okay. um, so inside a cluster is inside the pod is a cluster of seeds uh, surrounded by a juicy white pulp, which is actually edible and quite refreshing and delicious. Mm. Um, and turning cacao pods into chocolate is intense. Um, okay, so the first step in making uh, chocolate is to scoop out the pulp seed mix inside the pod, and then you ferment that for three to four days in the sun. Um, and then, so this fermentation results in the necessary chemical reaction that causes the seeds to briefly germinate. Um, oh. And that creates acid and heat and then kills the germination. Um, oh, so whoa. this is the process that results in the chocolatey taste that we know and love. So, um, so it basically, they, they put it out in the sun and the seeds are like, time to grow. And then the fermentation process actually kills that, but you need yes. it to start germinating to get you the need, flavor. It needs to start germinating and then the heat and acid produced by it kills the germination. Oh my gosh. I know. Yeah, it's intense. Uh, <laughs> fermentation also lowers the astringency of the beans. Mm. So without that, it would be really gross. Um, and so the unattended side effect of fermentation is the production of the many stimulants that are in chocolate, which I'll oh, go through in a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's the necessary thing we need to get, yeah, all that fun stuff in chocolate. Um, so after fermentation, the seeds are roasted and dried, uh, which further deepens the chocolate flavor. Uh, and as a result of this, uh, chocolate actually contains 600 distinct flavor compounds. Wow. Uh, in comparison to red wine, which is only 200. <gasps> wow. wow. <laughs> 
Julia, Julia's face was like, oh, what? <laughs> like, we just learned like five for, for wine. Yeah. So, oh, man. Oh, my goodness. There's so much more than I was You have a long ways to go with chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when I do these kind of like talks and we have uh, chocolate tastings, we usually pair wine with it because then you have like, you have flavor compounds that are similar in both that enhance mm. each other. And it's actually, it's a lot of fun. Um, okay. So then the cacao seeds are crushed and the seed shell is winnowed away. And then that leaves the inside kernel or the nib of the cacao seeds. So that's actually what we're eating. Oh, and that's what becomes chocolate is the nib inside the seed, inside the pod and blah, blah. Um, so uh, you can find these cacao nibs in stores today. Uh, out here, it's usually in health food stores, mm-hmm. um, like the health food section. Um, and they are usually raw and unsweetened, and I think they're disgusting. They are um, disgusting. I agree with Fouché. We, I need got- <laughs> sugar at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We bought some for like, we were on a like a real smoothie bowl kick in my house for a little bit. And so we got some cocoa nibs and very excited, sprinkled them on and whatever. And it turns out we got some rocks. That was mixed into one of it. No. And Josh like cracked his like, well, oh, he didn't no. crack a tooth, but he bit down and was like, this is not a cocoa nib. This is a rock. So um, the next time that I went to the cupboard to grab the thing of cocoa nibs, he had added to the list of ingredients after cocoa nibs. He put comma rocks. So just to be on the lookout. Yeah. Which just goes to show that you should never eat a cocoa nib. It's just, it's dangerous. It's uh, not flavorful. It's not worth your time and energy. It's dangerous. It doesn't have sugar in it nope. you're you know at the whims of nature there yes exactly <laughs> so, uh so yeah the nibs are very much a part of the like antioxidant craze so that's why you find them in the health food mm, areas okay like, yeah so but be careful um so the nibs are then ground and nothing is added to them and that creates a mixture called the cacao liquor um not actually liquor but you know <laughs> um so for thousands of years uh in chocolate history, this is what people consumed pretty much. They would mix that with uh, hot water and then sometimes spices like vanilla or chili peppers and cinnamon. And uh, mm. they made it into a drink um, just until good. about 150 years ago. So, but we'll get there. Um, so modern methods of making chocolate go a few steps further. Um, now it includes uh, separating out the cacao solids from the liquids. So the solids would be like uh, separating out cocoa powder. Mm. And then the liquid would be cocoa butter. Mm-hmm. And then you add the cocoa butter back in just like a little bit at a time um, in controlled amounts. And so um, that's like a real simple version of how it works. There's so many steps to the process, but uh, we'll kind of talk about that a little bit um, later. Um, okay, so the chemical properties of chocolate, uh, the fermentation and roasting process of the cacao nibs results in several very important chemicals. Uh, caffeine, of course, is found naturally in chocolate, um, as well as other stimulants like theobromine. Mm. Um, so theobromine acts much like caffeine, but it gives you a more steady and longer high. So caffeine is like a straight up, straight down kind of mm-hmm. high. Okay. It's like sugar. Um, but theobromine is kind of like halfway up and then you get that high for a lot longer. So if you want like a stimulating thing at two o'clock in the afternoon, have a piece of dark chocolate because then it's going to give you a nice steady high for the rest of the afternoon. It'll get you through the day. So snacking at work, eating candy at work is important for product yeah. for being productive. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Is yes. what it I'm hearing from Shay. Productivity yes. and morale. Yes. And really just 
your, your <laughs> attitude in general. Yeah. In fact, most workplaces should provide chocolate at 2 to 2.30 p.m. every day. I co-sign that. Yes. Yeah. It should be it should be chocolate hour. Yes. And uh, your workplace should pay for it. Yes. And it should be part of your benefit package. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. We're taking notes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so this chemical, theobromine, that's actually what is the poisonous component for dogs oh, in chocolate, yeah. oh. theobromine. Um, and chocolate, surprisingly, is actually even more poisonous to cats than it is to dogs. Oh, oh no, I, I didn't know that. that. Wow. Yeah. So it's actually, uh, it's just that more dogs are more likely to consume chocolate. Mm, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, that makes sense. <laughs> your little household Hoover that goes around and picks up whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, cats don't really taste sweet. And so they don't really want chocolate and it's just not appealing to them. Yeah. Cats, they will eat it and it has happened, but it's just more rare. Yeah. So be, just be careful with your pets. Yeah. yeah. My, uh, my parents, one colleague, um, Henry, like last month, he ate a whole dish of Ferrero Rochers that were still in their wrappers. <laughs> just like, ate the whole dish up and they were like um this is really dangerous and the vet was like ah it'll be fine they were in the wrappers (laughs) are they gonna come out in the wrapper i I didn't i didn't double check on the he's still alive but he's still yeah still still with us he's so mischievous oh my god (laughs) i didn't know that that's terrible (laughs) it's horrifying um okay so Theobromine is actually also technically poisonous to humans, too. What? Uh, we're just able to process it better. And so a lethal dose uh, is 22 pounds of chocolate. Okay. Okay. So, so death that, by chocolate would be a yeah. real... Is a real thing. It would be a real thing, yeah. but it would also be like a... We'd be in like a seven situation. Yeah, yeah. Think. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like, what a way to go. But also, that's <laughs> technically 40 Hershey's bars. So I don't really... Oh, yeah, geez. Yeah. Be careful out there, but not too careful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so chocolate also contains uh, another stimulant, uh, phenocylamine, uh, which produces dopamine in the brain and gives us a sense of well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, not surprised at all. Familiar mm-hmm. with that, yeah. Chocolate gives me much well-being. Um, <laughs> there's also the amino acid tryptophan in chocolate and that produces serotonin in the gut um so there's a lot going on in the brain and body when you eat a piece of chocolate uh, more than just the caffeine and sugar so yeah. nice. wow i love this you wouldn't even have thought about all of that. no now i will every time i eat chocolate yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just i mean technically you'd probably have to eat dark chocolate to get there mm, with all okay. these chemicals mm-hmm. but yeah teach their own um <laughs> so uh for the so i'm gonna get into the history now so that's what it, uh where we're going um so for the first few thousand years of the relationship between humans and chocolate uh the plant was exclusively for the inner pulp uh so the seeds were probably first spread in south america um by like traders who would travel the whole continent um and they would trade from like say the the Amazon rainforest out to the coasts and over mountains and rainforests and all this stuff. Um, and it would be all on foot. And so what they would probably do is they'd be picking these cacao pods uh, as they went and they'd be spitting out the seeds um, and would, the trees would eventually pop up uh, oh. all over the, the rainforest. So they were like, uh, the, like the white pulp inside. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yum, nom, 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 nom. And then. Yeah. <laughs> 
and then spit the seeds out because they're seeds. Why would you yeah. imagine like roasting it and fermenting it and getting the little inner pulp out or the inner little nib out and eating that? Yeah, it's just yeah, exactly. crazy. Um, and so some groups in cities in South America would eventually domesticate the trees into uh, orchards, uh, and but it would still just be for the pulp. Um, and so this was, uh, I think our evidence puts, first puts this in Ecuador, which even today makes, in my opinion, the best chocolate in the world comes from mm. Ecuador. This is not an advertisement for Ecuador. It's just delicious <laughs> chocolate. Uh, so uh, at the moment, there's no archaeological evidence uh, of South American cultures processing the seed into chocolate specifically. Uh, as far as we know, they just ate the pulp. So uh, the first evidence of chocolate processing was done by the Olmec civilization in Central America. And so that was probably 3,000 years ago. Um, and the seeds had been traded up from South America. And because the South American traders were like, here are these seeds, you can plant these and it makes this wonderful tree with this pulpy stuff. And so instead of doing that, they probably just like smashed them open and ground up the seeds. And <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, uh, and now we have chocolate. Um, uh, so, but I should say, even though we don't have evidence of them doing this in South America, um, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. We just mm -hmm. don't have evidence oh, for it. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, like what I like to tell my students, because um, I still occasionally teach archaeology courses, um, is I always uh, tell them that it's important to remember that the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Exactly. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Julie's getting fired up about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just because someone didn't write it down or it didn't get passed down through oral tradition because it wasn't considered right. like Im important enough or whatever, it got lost to history does not mean that it didn't happen or right. happen widely. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <clears throat> so it's just, we don't, we don't know that yet. So. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, but we do have evidence, uh, strong evidence of the Olmecs doing it. So I know you guys did a, uh, episode on the, the Mesoamerican civilization. Mm, yep. so I don't want to like go too far into them. Um, so, but I'll, I'll, I will a little, uh, totally so, fine. <laughs> we're not hurt. Yes. <laughs> the, the Olmecs, um, were, as far as we know, the archaeologists know, uh, one of the first civilizations in Mesoamerica to arose or to arise. And so uh, we have evidence of them making chocolate at the site of El Maniti uh, in modern day Mexico. Uh, there was a ceramic vessel found there that has chemical residue of theobromine in it. Oh. And uh, that was actually tested and sent to the lab at Hershey's factory. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. All the right. Most quality of chocolate labs in the <laughs> yeah, world. Exactly. Right. And I feel it was like a PR thing for them. So they did it for free. And so the archaeologists were probably like, yes, we're going to get this lab work done for free. Yeah. Like, I don't know mm. if that's or not, but that's what it feels like. <laughs> um, and so then the Mayan civilization arose and we have a lot more <clears throat> archaeological and historical records from them with chocolate. And so they actually wrote down how much they love chocolate as well. So it's part of their oral tradition. It's part of their written history. It's part of the archaeology. And they absolutely loved chocolate. So mm -hmm. Um, the Mayans would prepare the drink, uh, or the, prepare the chocolate into a drink by adding cinnamon, vanilla, and chilies, and then they would froth it with this, like, you know, frothing stick, mm -hmm. and by rubbing it together into the, in the bowl, or they would just pour it between two cups, like, from up high. Oh, I yeah. see. Some like, early mixologists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, from early, yeah, exactly. Like, um, hold on, I think I have a picture of this. So I do this talk a lot um and so i bring these kind of things there's like a oh wow oh yeah mixing them. yeah that's cool it's a fun job yeah yeah it's a fun job yeah right like <laughs> chocolate mixer yeah 
Everybody um, loves you. Yeah. You're, you're the favorite he guy. Makes the chocolate. <laughs> chocolate. Yeah. He doesn't love it. Uh, okay. So there's still no sugar added to it yet. So it's just like the chocolate liquor, the cacao liquor uh, with cinnamon, vanilla, chilies. And that's it. It's so, very earthy. Yeah. Earthy <laughs> is a great word for it. Yeah. That's fantastic. I imagine it's something similar to like coffee in that it's it has like a bitter quality without any sweetness, but it you know, like a like a flavored coffee sort of. Okay. Where it has spices and things, but still is predominantly bitter in flavor. Yeah. That's yeah. that's probably exactly what it was. Cause then <laughs> you'd still drink it because it made you feel fantastic. Sure, of course. <laughs> yeah, but it was horribly bitter. Because if you've ever had like baking chocolate, mm-hmm. yes. That's Every older sibling has always tricked a younger sibling yep. into eating a square of baking chocolate. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's my, the law. <laughs> my mom did that to us <gasps> when we were little. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Thanks, mom. <laughs> Never trust your mom again. <laughs> You're, oh, you um, okay, so when Linnaeus called uh, the cacao tree the food of the gods, um, he was actually following in the tradition of the Mayans who also connected the plant to their pantheon of gods. Um, and we actually know this uh, because we have their writings and their wall frescoes and vessels and they all show the cacao pod and the drink like sitting with their gods basically. And so we actually have this one here. Oh yeah. These two guys with their like these two. Well, you guys can describe it if you want. Yeah. So uh, this guy is uh, sitting in front of a bowl and he is gesticulating over the bowl. And then sitting below him is another dude. Is that another dude? Yep. And uh, he is, it looks like he is like showing him how to do it. Like, this is how you make this food of the gods and tell everybody (laughs) about it. And he's sitting, it looks like he's sitting on like a low table and uh, being like, here's your chocolate. You're welcome. Here you go. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So these, and, and then down here, there's actually, it has, uh, there's actually uh, tamales down there that oh. are covered in chocolate sauce. So that's like first evidence of mole Some, sauce. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So they had it in a lot of different ways. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So we actually know that, that they connected it to their, to their like belief system. Um. There's actually a glyph, one of those, one of those Mayan glyphs actually is chocolate. And so whenever they're talking about chocolate, it's very obvious because there's a glyph for chocolate. So oh, cool. It's very handy for future archaeologists. Um, okay, so then there's the Aztecs. Uh, they called themselves the Mexica, but I'm just going to call them the Aztecs for simplicity purposes. Um, so they really loved chocolate. Uh, they also drank chocolate and processed it the same as the Mayans. Um they so the Aztecs were really just generally intense about the whole <laughs> blood and sacrifice thing. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. There's like no denying that. Um, and there's archaeologists who kind of theorize that chocolate was used uh, kind of in place of human sacrifice to represent blood, uh, since if you added chili peppers to chocolate, then you'd get this like dark red. Oh, liquid like, drink thing like blood like looking yeah i'm, wow. I'm not 100% convinced about that or where they get that um archaeologists in general like to connect cacao to in mesoamerican culture to religion mm-hmm. um but in my experience in archaeology i should mention i have a phd in archaeology so it's coming from oh, yeah. somewhere yeah you should mention it some it's like somewhat founded um but <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of people who disagree with me um 
that whenever archaeologists say you're like what you're watching a documentary and these archaeologists are like we found this thing and we think it was used for religious purposes or ritual purposes that is archaeology code for i don't know what this is (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so like Next, next, like documentary you're watching, and some archaeologists are like, "This was a ritual." Blah blah blah. They don't know. <laughs> uh, so, so it's it's more of a catch-all term. It's like, like a yeah, it's yeah. like a you know, I don't know what what other category to put this in. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like a safe bet. Back that then it's... was ritual everything, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's just a, little, it's a little lazy, in my opinion. Uh, so. Um, Cacao is referred to in in Aztec writings as being uh, the drink of the gods, um, but Linnaeus also called it food of the gods, and we technically still do too. Mm-hmm. And we're not going around sacrificing a goat and screaming thanks to the gods every time we unwrap a chocolate bar. So exactly, who knows? <laughs> Should we? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess, yeah, maybe we should rethink that. I don't know. I mean, its name is Food of the Gods, so yeah. you really should be, should be giving thanks more. Um, uh, so both the Mayans and the Aztecs used cacao beans as currency, um, which economically would have been a much better deal for the Mayans because uh, mm. they could actually grow it in their territory, whereas the Aztecs couldn't because they were in central Mexico, mm. which is still today and was back then too dry to grow cacao. Oh, so they would just import it, whereas for the Mayans, their money grew on trees. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, and so I also want to mention that uh, it was at the time of the Aztecs, the Mayans were actually still around. Um popular belief is that the Mayan civilization collapsed about a thousand years ago and it did, but they just stopped making these like monumental architectural things um, Mm. and their archeological footprint was decreased, but they're still around and they're actually still around today. Mm -hmm. Um, There are Mayan people still around in uh, the Yucatan and Guatemala. Um, So they were around then and they were all using it as currency at the same time. Um, uh, So, Cacao as currency uh, was the first interaction between Europeans and chocolate. Uh, so they didn't know what it was. They were just confused why the local people were using little brown beans as currency. <laughs> well, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, and so once the Spanish conquistadors uh, were given the drink, some of them liked it and some of them didn't. Uh, but in their actual official logs and journals, they started calling it happy money. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's really sweet. I'm just going to take a handful of happy money right here. <laughs> yeah, I got to keep happy money in my purse or else I get very cranky. <laughs> and so uh, there is actually a written exchange rate that the Spanish wrote down uh, to the Spanish silver and uh, gold and then cacao beans. So uh, here's a few exchange rate things. Hmm. Um, so one large tomato was worth one cacao bean. Uh, a turkey hen was worth 100. Oh, wow. Uh, a turkey cock was worth 200. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you could purchase a single tamale for one cacao bean. Oh, that's a that's steal. That's a good trade-off. Yeah, that's, that's a good, good trade-off. deal. <laughs> mm, I love tamales. Yeah. Uh, get a little mole sauce on top mm-hmm. of it. You're good to go. <laughs> um, and so if you think of cacao as an economic thing rather than a religious one, um, because if you're drinking cacao, then you're drinking money. And so if you can do that, you're probably pretty rich. You're oh, probably sure, yeah. Off. Yeah, it's like that you know, douchebaggy rich guy that lights a cigar with a $100 yeah. bill. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. The guy down the street is drinking his money, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So who knows? <laughs> we can't, all we can do is speculate, really. Yeah. Um, but 
so then Columbus shows up. So he's the first one uh, to taste the drink, him and his men. Um, so he comes on his fourth and final voyage. Um, he and his, uh, his sailors were the first ones to actually drink it. Uh, so Columbus's son Ferdinand was on that voyage and he kept a pretty extensive journal, uh, which eventually got published. So we have all of this as a written account, like the first instance, an in encounter with, with chocolate. So he said this, uh, as his first encountering chocolate, uh, quote, they had many of these almonds that they used for money. Uh, they seemed to hold these almonds at a great price uh, for when they were brought on board ship. I observed that when these almonds fell, all they all stooped to pick them up as if an eyeball had fallen out. <laughs> what? Oh my God. Is this a common enough occurrence in 1493 <laughs> that, that people were like, Look, there goes my ball again. Oh, geez. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this happens all the time. No one move. I'll get it. <laughs> It's like those, that guy in Pirates of the Caribbean yes. and the eyeball keeps going. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, yeah. it's common, I guess. <laughs> Based on a true story. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that he thought they loved them a lot, but they still didn't get it. So because they thought they were almonds, obviously. Um, so they had some of the drink and they thought it was gross. Um, <laughs> it's un- unsurprisingly, I guess. Um, so... <laughs> Columbus is a monster. He doesn't like chocolate. So, um, <laughs> among other things, yeah, among other things, you know, genocide doesn't like chocolate, all that. Um, so again, there's still no sugar in it. Uh, so eventually, Cortez shows up and conquers uh, the Aztec capital, Tenochtitlan, um, and they ransacked and stole all of the Emperor Montezuma's private store of cacao. Oh um, no! So I guess they liked it. <laughs> yeah. Is that what the revenge is for then? Yeah. Montezuma's revenge is for taking all this chocolate. It's all coming together. We're all piecing it together. World history, man. Um, so they would actually, so these early Spaniards, they would actually call the drink invigorating. So I think they were getting it. They were getting mm-hmm. the idea that it was something special. So some trade mission or other to Mexico uh, ended up bringing back cacao to Spain. And that's when it really took off. It like took off like a bolt in Europe. So, um, and that was the like early mid 16th century was when it first came to Europe. Um, so the Europeans actually made and manufactured the bean almost exactly like the Aztecs did. They made it into a frothy drink um, and it would be processed down into a, like a pasty powder. And so it's just like smashing up the nibs and then pressing it, you pressed it into a tablet and you really could just carry that around with you and drop it in some boiling water and froth it up. And voila, you have a nice chocolate drink. Mm. Um, the only difference is the Spaniards uh, replace the chili powder or the chilies with sugar. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and that um, was the beginning yeah. of the end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so they added yet another stimulant to uh, an already very stimulating drink. So mm. again, I guess, thank you. Um, so uh, what started in Spain quickly spread to the rest of Europe. Um, and this led to uh, the, the, the growth of chocolate houses. So mm. these are like, these would be like chocolate shops and tea houses uh, where you could go and get a frothy, sugary, invigorating chocolate drink. Um, and, but they were just places for men. Mm. Uh, most public spaces were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, and chocolate was actually considered a masculine and like manly drink and food until the 20th century. Um, oh. Yeah. And it, it was advertisers that led to the shift towards chocolate as like 
a thing for women, um, which is kind of where we're still at today. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, the Dove commercials. Yeah, Dove <laughs> commercials. Yeah, we're like, ooh, take a moment for yourself. yourself. You deserve it, girl. <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some fantastic YouTube videos. You go on YouTube and search like chocolate advertising women, then you will get these things, and they show in succession like all these advertisements of chocolate for women, and they're horrifying <laughs> it's, it's exactly that like ladies do you love your chocolate it's just yeah it's like past is it um, that time of the month yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. so pandering it's ridiculous we say as we as sit we, in front of dove chocolate right now <laughs> how dare they i'm gonna eat one right now <laughs> trying to insinuate this actual thing uh, so um for the next 300 years, uh, Europeans were loving their chocolate, and but it was really still just consumed as a drink. And you could get it, I mean, you could get it at home if you had enough money, but most people would go to these, these chocolate houses. Uh, and so th- this kind of the 17th, 18th century was the time when syphilis was ravaging Europe. And oh, so no. Europeans- I wasn't ready for syphilis to <laughs> end the conversation. I was not ready for syphilis in this, sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's no realm. Uh, it's kind of out of left field. So uh, Europe blamed the you know, ravaging of syphilis on the new world, mm. um, which might or might not be true. And so uh, I'm going to paraphrase Voltaire in Candide because Voltaire cannot just be read. He must be paraphrased. Um, yeah. <laughs> he said, uh, so, okay, yes, we have syphilis and yeah, it sucks. Uh, he had syphilis too. Um, but we also got <laughs> chocolate from the new world. So it's totally worth it. So yeah, I love that. Look, guys, look. Yeah. <laughs> Syphilis sucks. I get it. I have it. It really sucks. But don't get too mad at the new world because we got this delicious drink that will hurdle us happily into the grave. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and he wrong. said it in a much more flowery way. Oh, but. sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Whatever. Um, And so it's also during this time, 17th, 18th century, that we get uh, chocolate as an aphrodisiac. Uh, Happy Valentine's Day. Um, And so that quality was touted by none other than Casanova himself. Oh, hey. Uh, He would, yeah, he would apparently uh, drink several cups of chocolate before a night out because it would keep him invigorated for the whole night. All right. Mm, Okay, Mr. Casanova. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, so uh, I feel like there's a lot of supposed aphrodisiacs out there uh, and they most of them don't make any sense and they're based on nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but chocolate kind of does make sense because it's it, it's like six different kinds of stimulants in chocolate. Like, sure. Yeah, you would tef- you technically would be invigorated. Um, and so. Besides the stimulants, uh, the phenothylamine in chocolate is supposedly also released when one feels love in the brain. Okay. And so uh, this mm. may or may not be legit, but I'll go with it. So chocolate as an aphrodisiac might actually be a thing. So huh. well, again, happy Valentine's Day. Go eat yeah. some chocolate. <laughs> um, and so uh, it wasn't until the mid-19th century that chocolate consumption began to change. Uh, in 1847, the Fry Brothers, uh, that's the same fry as Fry's Cocoa Powder hmm. uh, today. I don't know if you guys get Fry's Cocoa Powder in the U.S. Heard of it. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think I've ever seen it on the shelves, but yeah. Okay. I think it's like a British Commonwealth thing. But, mm. 
Um, it's like the only cocoa powder you can get. <laughs> um, so that's the same fries. Uh, and so they discovered that if you mix co- uh, like cocoa powder and sugar uh, and then add it to butter instead of hot water to make the drink, then you can kind of press it into a mold and make a chocolate bar, oh. which had never been done before. Uh, so this is the first eating chocolate. Oh, that's um, interesting. Though apparently it was still sort of like really gritty and powdery, yeah. you know, which sounds yeah. disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it would hold solid shape. And so that's what they were kind of going for. Um, and they were the first ones to figure out that formula, which was immediately uh, kind of stolen by, I don't know if it was stolen by, but it was definitely figured out by their biggest rivals at the time, Cadbury. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so they soon got a hold of the discovery and also began making eating chocolate. And they were the first ones to produce the box of chocolates. Uh, and that's so that's full of you know solid chocolates and chocolate covered candies. So that was them that first did that. So thank you, Catberries. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The best. yeah. <laughs> uh, so interestingly, uh, the Fry and Cadbury families were both Quakers. Um, and so their big thing with chocolate was, to re- in the hearts and minds of uh, the British Empire, probably um, to replace alcohol with chocolate. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, that's you know there. what? That's a good one to one. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a- if you're going to have to replace alcohol with it, yeah, <laughs> um, makes sense. So, uh, and they were so they were both Quaker, Quaker families, and they uh, both built these model company towns for their employees by their factories. And this is uh, what kind of led to and gave Milton Hershey the idea for Hershey, Pennsylvania. Right. So okay. Forerunner to that, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, so then we get to the Swiss uh, and they probably make the most important steps and in innovations in modern chocolate mm-hmm. uh, that we still use today. So in 1867, Henri Nestle, uh, discovered a process to make powdered milk by evaporation. So that's evaporated milk. Uh, and then almost immediately, Swiss chocolatier uh, Daniel Peter uh, added it to chocolate and her milk chocolate was born. Oh, okay. bless them. Yeah. I know. Bless the Swiss. Um, <laughs> so today, you I mean, you'll know the name Henri Nestle. Uh, and you probably don't know the name Daniel Peter, mm-hmm. uh, even though he was the one that made milk chocolate for the first time, uh, because he and Nestle, uh, after this, formed the partnership to create Nestle Company. Uh, okay. uh, and then Nestle ends up getting the credit for milk chocolate, which is why we don't know Daniel Peter. Henri. 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 So the Swiss continued to be at the forefront of chocolate making with the invention of a like bigger, better manufacturing process and the industry around uh, making eating chocolate better mm-hmm. uh, because this was really taking off. People wanted to eat their chocolate in bars instead of drinking it because it was, you know, delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, what they wanted to do, uh, their, their goal with this big, bigger, better manufacturing was uh, to make eating chocolate smooth and silky instead of gritty and powdery. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, thanks to them. Uh, this machine is called the Conquer and was invented and perfected by Swiss chocolatier uh, Rudolf Lindt. Oh, uh, yeah. We've heard yep. of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it was immediately purchased uh, from him by Jean Tobler, uh, <gasps> who created his famous Toblerone in oh, yeah. 1899. Look at that. Like all, these that all these names are still oh, around. Yeah, I'm recognizing them. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, and so still today, the Swiss are the number one consumers of chocolate in the world. Um, and the U.S. is actually like ninth on that list. What? what? I, know. <laughs> I personally have contributed. Yeah. Great quantity. Yes. To that. You and me both. I'm surprised. Ninth. We got to pick it up. U.S. <laughs> so I suspect the reason that the reason that is because all of the other countries like one through eight are all European countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suspect the reason is that uh, they eat mostly dark chocolate and the U.S. eats mostly milk chocolate. So like the amount of cocoa solids that Americans are eating are just less than. Okay, okay, that makes okay. sense. Yeah. All I, right. think th- I think that's the reason I suspect. Mm. But who knows. Um, so that brings us finally to uh, the U.S. Uh, with Milton Hershey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in 1857 to a Mennonite family in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, and was apprenticed at the age of 15 to a confectionery store. So he started early. Um, and he would eventually take off in pursuit of his own business. So he saw the machinery coming out of Switzerland. Uh, he saw this displayed at the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. Oh, hey. Cool. Yeah. And so, it's yes, it's that World Fair uh, with H.H. H. Holmes and the Murder Castle. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was so much stuff. So much there. going on. Murder, <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> Can't keep track. Mm, so, you know, thankfully some good came out of it. It yeah, also gave yeah. birth to Hershey chocolate uh, <laughs> as well as the murder castle. Um, and so he saw these machines on display uh, to make smooth eating chocolate. And so he bought them and started the Hershey company in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, he, of course, in addition to the factory uh, founded his huge company town, uh, which is still kind of there. You can visit it. Um, it's a fascinating place. <laughs> <laughs> I went there as a child, and I don't think I got the full experience as I would as an adult. But um, so this was this like town, kind of this company town, was complete with housing, uh, the Hershey's department store, uh, Hershey's bank, men's and women's clubs, five churches, a library, volunteer fire department, two schools, Hershey's park, gardens, zoo, roller coaster. Hershey's hotel, golf course, and the industrial school for orphan boys. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so much. That was way more than I was expecting. And so at the center of this town, uh, he created for himself as the Kane of Hershey Town, uh, a massive mansion that was a gigantic version of the of George Washington's Mount Vernon. Oh, my God. I didn't realize that. that. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. Um, And so it was, you know, a very cool place to visit, but the, uh, it had its problems. It wasn't a real town. There were no elected officials and it was 100% run by what the locals called their benevolent dictator. Oh my God. (laughs) So, um, I feel like if dictator December comes back, you can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a nice lighthearted one. Yeah. Didn't kill anyone, but (laughs) that we know of. Wait for it. I'm oh, no. I guess <laughs> <laughs> um, so today, uh, Hershey's has an annual sales of uh, $2 billion oh uh, just in the U.S. And together with their biggest rival, Mars, makes uh, 70% of all the chocolate and candy sales in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. So Hershey's a, is just a juggernaut. And it's... Mm-hmm. Um, speaking as someone that grew up in Pennsylvania, yes. surrounded by Hershey stuff mm-hmm. hershey's is not good no <laughs> no that's a 
that's an entry level it chocolate. It has a very like sour milk quality to mm-hmm. it, like, and it can be gritty. And they definitely do like a different process than Mars does, and mm-hmm. definitely than Cadbury does, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I turned my nose up at a Hershey bar. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I mean, I guess in a pinch. Sure, in an emergency. Oh, fine. But yeah. 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 I'm not selecting a Hershey bar. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> no episode would be complete without kind of a bummer. So um, <laughs> speaking of Hershey's, uh, over the last 20 years, uh, Hershey's has been in trouble with the UN Human Rights Council. <gasps> uh, <so laughs> Yeah, it's not just Hershey's. Uh, So in the early 2000s, there was an expose on chocolate plantations in Western Africa, uh, which is where we get most of our, uh, like, cacao today is Mm -hmm. Western Africa, because it grows on such a narrow line Mm -hmm. uh, around the world. Um, Western Africa, Indonesia, Central America, that's really it, Um, and the Caribbean. Uh, And so it was found that uh, the plantations where Hershey's, Mars, and Nestle, and probably a few others, uh, get their cacao, use uh, extensive amounts of slave and child labor. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so the companies at the time when this is all coming out uh, vowed to stop the practice. Uh, But every few years, there's like checkups and stories about this, and it's still very much happening. Um, And so just be wary of where your chocolate comes from. Uh, (laughs) A lot of the, the really, like really high quality chocolates in general um are like free trade and right. uh, yeah organic all of that stuff and so there's they're labeled with fair trade stickers and stuff mm-hmm. so uh i can make a recommendation for a slave free chocolate that is also very delicious and able i know it's it's a terrible thing to say but they say it like very broadly on yeah. their um packages it's called tony chocolonely's like <laughs> i know <laughs> And the, Tony Choco Lonely, like alone. And uh, you can buy them in grocery stores and you can buy them on Amazon. And the chocolate is delicious. And you get like really huge, like yeah. Willy Wonka size bars. It's a really funky label. I and think. it's a really like 70s, like Peter Max style mm-hmm. label. Um, and it's delicious chocolate. And you feel good uh, eating it because no, no one worries. who touched it no was a slave at, some, at one point. So <laughs> yeah, that's my recommendation. <laughs> The the kind of the need for those definitely arose out of this, like the big manufacturers being Mm -hmm. caught, you know, with horrible practices. So you're right. Okay, so I don't want to end on a bummer. So uh, here's some fun chocolate trivia facts for you. Great. Um, In World War Two, soldiers would have an emergency chocolate ration in their combat packs. um, And a thousand years earlier, uh, Aztec soldiers would also carry a chocolate tablet that could be used to make the chocolate drink around oh. with them when they would go into battle. So that's fun. Um, it takes 400 cacao beans to make one pound of chocolate. Oh my gosh. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> there's a National Milk Chocolate Day on July 28th, Ooh. an International Chocolate Day on September 13th. And, of course, uh, National Bittersweet Chocolate with Almonds Day on November 7th. That's everyone's favorite. (laughs) Everyone, you you wrote all that down? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bittersweet Chocolate with (laughs) Almonds Day. Yeah. Uh, My my birthday is National Chocolate Milkshake Day. Oh. That's nice. That's a a good one for me. That's very good. I think mine's National Fried Chicken Day, but I could be wrong about that. (laughs) Everybody's got a day. Um, You know, whatever. But... Uh, so every second, Americans collectively eat 100 pounds of chocolate. Wow. 
Yeah. I believe it. I've done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. It's a lethal dose. That's yeah. beyond lethal dose. Be careful. <laughs> Uh, and so uh, chocolate has an antibacterial effect on the mouth and protects against tooth decay. <gasps> you know my, what? There's that, a my dentist blind to me. <laughs> All those dentists that are like, you can bring in your extra Halloween candy and we'll give you do- we'll give you money for it. Turns out they're the ones eating it. They have the secret to healthy teeth and gums. And the answer is chocolate. Shame on them. Shame on you, dental assistants and dentists out there in the world. How dare you not tell us this? <laughs> oh, boy. It's an expose. I'm going to bring you back down just a little. Um, because I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure that means like a dark chocolate with very little sugar in it. I'm, I'm thinking like 85%, 90%. <laughs> the stuff that you, tastes like dirt. <laughs> the earthy. The very earthy, the earthy kind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but if you, I mean, you do you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then last, the inventor of the chocolate chip cookie, Ruth Graves Wakefield, mm-hmm. sold the idea to Nestle Tollhouse for $1 and a lifetime supply of chocolate. Uh, you know what? Good on her. That's a good deal. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what yeah. is she going to do? She's like, I don't need any money. <laughs> I got this in. Yeah. Everything's fine. <laughs> Give me that chocolate so I can keep making my cookies. And- Bizarrely enough, I'm so I'm sitting in the collections room at the museum that I work in, the Maple Ridge Museum in Maple Ridge, British Columbia, and sitting right on the shelf next to me is this Nestle Toll House. <gasps> Look at that! that. Oh from, my god! Beautiful. From 1939, it is a Nestle Toll House uh, tin, tin where yeah. you buy your your Nestle Tolls and. The original Nestle Toll House recipe is on the back. <gasps> hey! Nice. Oh, we yeah. should post that. Yeah. So I looked, I, I was putting my computer up and I looked over, I was like, Nestle! <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, also, I should mention, um, Shay over here did proper uh, museum process and put on her white gloves before she picked up the tin and handled it and showed it to us. I sure did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I, I am a proper curator yep. here. <laughs> Um, okay, so that is my subject on chocolate. Thank wow. you so much. It must be so fun to do that, to like get to do that as like a class. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so I first did this as a class. So I was doing my master's degree and I took a legitimate graduate level course in chocolate. And it was oh, this like all encompassing class where you you talk about the biology the genetics the history mm-hmm. the manufacturing like the economics the advertising it was the best class yeah, I've ever I taken that's and really so the fun. first half of the class you're talking about whatever you're talking about that day and then the second half was all chocolate tasting it was it really tough oh yeah it was a very hard class to take <laughs> yeah oh man and so it was the best and so since then i feel like all of us in the class have just been like doing this at random since mm-hmm. so yeah, and it's a lot of fun. We get to taste chocolate and wine throughout, and everybody gets a little tipsy by the end. So that's great. That's the dream. That's yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, Shay. That was great. You're welcome. And so I have a quiz for you. Oh, we're very excited. Okay, <laughs> I hope so. So the name of my quiz, and so I'm following in your guys' footstep with this, with having a quiz that is subject adjacent. Great, kind exactly. of love it. And so the name of my quiz is. Is it chocolate or is it poop? <gasps> <laughs> yes. 
that's ever happened to me. Great. Please. Fire away. It's poop. <laughs> <laughs> it's a quiz about poop. Julia's nightmare. No, I love this. This is great. <laughs> okay. Question one. Bat and seabird guano become big business in the 1800s due to the high nitrogen, phosphate, and potassium content. For what purpose is it still used today? Question two. An ancient Egyptian method of birth control involved creating a diaphragm of honey mixed with the excrement of what animal? Question three. True or false? Only chimps in captivity throw their poop. Question four. Coprolite is a term used by archaeologists to describe what surprisingly unsmelly item? Question five. Poop, at least the healthiest of poops, is brown because of what bodily product produced by the gallbladder? Question six. Parcopresis is a diagnosable phobia pertaining to what excrement-themed fear? That's P-A-R-C, not P-A-R-K. Question seven. Here's a multiple choice for you. An individual's lifetime accomplishments can be measured in a lot of ways, but on average, a person will produce how many pounds of poop in their lifetime? A. 8,500 B. 15,200 15, C. 26,100 Question 8. The highly anticipated but poorly reviewed emoji movie did in fact include the character of the poop emoji. What knight of the realm provided the voice for the poop emoji? Question 9. The word feces is plural for the Latin feces, meaning dregs. Turd is the name for excrement in what ancestral English language? Question 10. Bat poop is called guano. Rabbit poop is called spraint. And wild carnivores produce scat. What do caterpillars and other insects make? We'll give you about a minute to think about this. <laughs> and then Shay will be back with our answers. <laughs> I'm very excited about this. excited so, so shay i know we just met but this is one of my least favorite topics ever julia does not like scatological talk and i am enjoying this fully so thank I was you i was considering making 
uh, like a backup. No, <laughs> no, like, no, no I this love- is great. This is the stuff people want. And you know what? <laughs> Julia needs to be exposed to it. Frankly, she needs this is I, important. Yeah, I'm just kind of a weird person. So no, uh, <laughs> this spoke to me. Uh, <laughs> no, it's very good. Yeah. All right. All right. Lauren, We're ready. Lay it on us. Mm-hmm. Lauren feels good. I feel good. I feel squeamish. I know my poop. (laughs) Question one. Bat and seabird guano became big business in the 1800s due to its high nitrogen, phosphate, and potassium content. For what purpose is it still used today? They used it in gunpowder, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I was going to say fertilizer, but uh, I didn't even think about gunpowder. Is it still used in gunpowder today? Hmm. Maybe today it's just fertilizer. We can go with Let's that. go with fertilizer. We're going to go with fertilizer. It is fertilizer. Okay. So that's the, the nitrogen, phosphate, and potassium thing that mm. just like mm-hmm. makes it really great for fertilizer. Um, question two. An ancient Egyptian method of birth control involved creating a diaphragm of honey mixed with the excrement of what animal? Okay. I had two, two thoughts. Okay. Cow. Please. Ooh, okay. Dung beetle. Ooh. Um... I, I would go with either one of those. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because I know there was a an early form of testing if you were pregnant by peeing on a frog. <laughs> and then if the frog produced First eggs. catch the frog. Yeah, you got to catch the frog and then you got to pee on it. Then you got to let it go and then see if it produces eggs or something like that. Yeah. Um, I'll go with either one of those. You want to pick one? Uh, how about cow? Cow. Okay, cow. It is crocodile. 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 Oh, no. <laughs> Because first you got to get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. That seems dangerous. We're tracking, like scoping up the crocodile down at the now, like waiting for him to go so you could. Yeah. Oh, bleh. no. That process Not seems. Not a job I wanted. Ill advised. Yeah. Oof. I didn't know that. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> okay. Question three true or false? Uh, only chimps in captivity throw their poop. What do you think? I'm going to say true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Uh, so in the wild, chimps will throw like what they have, which is usually rocks. They'll throw rocks because <laughs> chimps are animals. But um, in captivity, they don't give them rocks to throw. Uh, <laughs> so they throw whatever they have, and that's their poop. So yeah. <laughs> Poor things. <laughs> um, okay, question four. Uh, Copperlight is a term used by archaeologists to describe what surprisingly unsmelly item? That's fossilized dinosaur poop. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, it's fossilized poop in general. Fossilized like, poop. I, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so I've done historical archaeology for most of my career. And so you can dig up copper lights that are only like 100 years old. Oh. And, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> only. Yeah. yeah. Historical archaeologists do a lot of excavating uh, latrines because they're oh, be yeah. like, you don't just throw poop down there. You throw yeah. a bunch of stuff. Yeah. You throw yeah. garbage and like broken garbage dishes and, and things. Yeah. I remember like that's how they found out like where Lewis and Clark's like camping sites were on the way to mm-hmm. the Northwest Passage based on based on their latrines. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have dug up a latrine or two in my time. Um, and it's really not that bad. Um, yeah. It's old. It's old. It doesn't smell anymore. Um, you just don't like to think about what you're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so question five. Uh, poop, at least the healthiest of poops, is brown because of what bodily product produced by the gallbladder? You're going to let me take this one? Take it away. Uh, <laughs> is it bile? It is bile. Yes. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> 
question six. Parcopresis is a diagnosable phobia pertaining to what excrement-themed fear? That's P-A-R-C, not P-A-R-K. Could it be, like, afraid that you're going to, like, go to the bathroom? Afraid of going to the bathroom in public, maybe? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that. Let's go with that. That's exactly what it is. Nice job. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, like, fear of just any public space of, you know, pooping in any public space. Um, okay, so question seven, uh, multiple choice. An individual's lifetime accomplishments can be measured in a number of ways, but on average, a person will produce how many pounds of poop in their lifetime? A, 8,500, B, 15,200, or C, 26,100? Uh, Julia is indicating that I can answer this question. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go with um, B, 15,200. It is C, 26,100 <gasps> oh, pounds my. of poop. That's more than on average. That's so much. <laughs> That's so much. That's like 13 tons. <laughs> Julia's so afraid. I'm just in shock. I know. Shock. It's okay. I got it. Ugh, I'm back. Please continue. At least we have toilets today. Yes. Oh my goodness. Thank God for modern plumbing. Julia's going to cry. I know. So I'm I'm the curator of uh, a museum and a heritage house, and so we oh, have lots fun. of people coming to the heritage house for tours. They're like, "Do you sometimes wish that you lived back then?" I'm like, nope. "Absolutely not! It's absolutely not! Yep." Antibiotics, <laughs> human rights, like <laughs> indoor a, toilet. I yeah. love all of those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a huge list of things that me. are great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Question eight. The highly anticipated but poorly reviewed emoji movie did in fact include the character of the poop emoji. What knight of the realm provided the voice for the poop emoji? Isn't it Patrick Stewart? It is Sir Patrick yeah. Stewart, I believe. <laughs> it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. I feel like that one was going to come down to like a 50-50 if it's Patrick Stewart or Ian McKellen. Like mm-hmm. it could be <laughs> They're, Yeah, but they was... pretty much take, yeah, they interchange yeah. pretty frequently. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they both absolutely do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, So it was Sir Patrick Stewart. Uh, Question nine. The word feces is plural of the Latin fees, meaning dregs. Uh, Turd is the name for excrement in what ancestral English language? It's uh, Anglo-Saxon, maybe? Oh, sure. Maybe Anglo-Saxon? It's close. It's Middle English. Oh, okay. Middle English. Great. So I just love that turd is a Middle English word. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, question 10 bat poop is called guano rabbit poop is called spraint and wild carnivores produce scat what do caterpillars and other insects make i know i know good yeah you guys should know this <laughs> yeah. that is frass it is frass yes yes uh, most museum professionals yeah that's very well be like, <laughs> oh no that yeah. that leather good thing is just covered in frass it's terrible. We shouldn't take this. Take this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, that was great, oh, Shay. Uh, <laughs> just add some balance to the whole. Yeah, yeah. Whole. No, it's great. Chocolate Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Shay. We totally appreciate it. What? That was a you great quiz. Real. What a delight. What Shay. a delight, Shay. <laughs> Do 
you want to um, tell us a little bit more about your museum so we can get get some word out yeah. to people? Sure. So, uh, so I am the curator of the Maple Ridge Museum, and that's in Maple Ridge, British Columbia, and we're just on the the far outskirts of the Vancouver metro area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have the the Maple Ridge Museum where I am in right now, um, and we uh, also manage the Haney House Museum, um, not too far away from here. So that's a Victorian heritage house. Cool. Yeah. So if you were ever in the outskirts of Vancouver, <laughs> go go say hello to Shay and see her lovely museum. Yeah. Uh, I do not have anything about poop. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's okay. I'm sure lots of people are okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, th- thanks very much to Shay. Thank and you, Shay. Uh, thanks to everyone listening. Um, you know, please rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah, tell a friend. Tell a friend. And uh, thank you again um, for subscribing to our podcast. It's great. We've been getting a lot of new listeners. It's fantastic. It's great. It's great. We enjoy it. <laughs> um, so thanks so much for listening, guys. Yeah, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. And happy Valentine's Day. It's good. <laughs>